My name is Sidinan Pongsutirak. Uh, I'm the director of the Institute of Security International Studies at Jolankon University. Um, welcome to our fifth webcast. Um, greetings to everyone. I know we have viewers from different uh, uh, parts of uh, Bangkok, but also Thailand and uh, Southeast Asia and a little bit beyond, uh, even I think Australia and uh, a few other countries. So welcome. Um, We've had several, we've had four so far webcasts over this uh, COVID period. Uh, initially, we had uh, the ASEAN response to, to COVID-19. Then we followed up with another one on Southeast Asian government's responses, uh, looking at the comparative responses of Southeast Asian uh, uh, governments and different regime types um, across Southeast Asia vis-a-vis -vis COVID, coronavirus. And then we followed the, up on a third a webcast with uh, a session on um, uh, the economy, Thai economy. And the last one we had two weeks ago was on um, the, the trade-offs and dilemmas between the public health safety and economic reality. Uh, now we're turning our attention to, to Thai politics. And uh, I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more, but I just want to first uh, introduce our, our two speakers and also to um, uh, to say a couple of things about uh, our sponsorship. We've been uh, uh, supported by the Frederick Naumann Stiftung over the last uh, four webcasts, including this one. So I want to acknowledge, I forget, I forget every time, um, but it's in the email. If you get the email, you will see the, um, uh, the acknowledgement. So we want to thank them, Frederick Naumann Stiftung. Um, in addition, I want to note that uh, we've had a, an expanding viewership, which is something that uh, we did not, uh, this is a new terrain, uh, new territory for us, uh, doing online, virtual, but the, the viewership, um, including live viewership, uh, the live viewership uh, is pretty steady, but the, the, the video viewership uh, has gone up to, um, to about 4,000. So that's something that uh, even in person, when we were doing this uh, uh, public forums and uh, seminars and conferences uh, at Julian Korn and other places, uh, when ISIS was a host, uh, we had uh, very good, robust turnouts always, but never this kind of uh, four-digit number. So it's uh, heartening and encouraging. Um, now, this time we have webcasts available on the Facebook, uh, ISIS Thailand Facebook, but at the same time, I think that it's on YouTube as well. So you can you can tune in to either either uh, medium, either platform, but uh, the content should be, should be the same. Let me... Um, introduce our two speakers. Some of you will have received the email invitations, but some may not. So I, I need to um, tell you a little bit about our two speakers today. Uh, I want to thank them, first of all, for uh, making time and, um, and their expertise and experience to be with us today. Um, you know, Thai politics is uh, uh, something that's always out there. And uh, the COVID-19 has uh, uh, disrupted, interrupted, and is taken a long pause, like a long break uh, from many, many things because of our preoccupation, our uh, foremost concern with, uh, you know, vir virus handling, virus fighting. Um, so our first speaker will be um, my, my own colleague from my faculty, uh, Dr. Puong Tong Pawakapant uh, from the Department of International Relations and also Faculty of Group Science at Jilan uh, Khan University. She has, a, of course, a, a long... Uh, list of uh, publications and uh, uh, accomplishments, but I'll just say that she, her expertise is on Southeast Asian studies with special interest in uh, uh, 
um, political relationship between Thailand and Cambodia. Her current interest is on Thailand's contemporary politics. She has a forthcoming book. Uh, it's called Infiltrating the Society, the Thai Military's Internal Security Affairs. So this, uh, I think, uh, continues her work on the Internal Security Operations Command of the Thai military. Um, her previous work uh, included um, the foreign press and its changing perceptions of the Thai monarchy. It was a chapter in a book. Uh, Dr. Pung Tong has a PhD from the University of uh, Wollongong in Australia. Uh, she also has been a visiting scholar at the Harvard Jensen Institute at Harvard University, uh, Center for Southeast Asian Studies at uh, Kyoto University, and uh, the Institute of Southeast Asian Studies in Singapore. So um, thank you for being with us, uh, Dr. Pung Tong, and uh, welcome. Dr. Jade Tonamonik, welcome, and thank you, Matan Jade, for being with us today. Uh, Dr. Jade is a Thai uh, national uh, who graduated from Thammasat University. He has a LLB um, from Stanford University and also a doctorate uh, in law from Stanford University. Um, he completed his postdoctoral research uh, at the Max Planck Institute uh, for Foreign and International Pattern Copyright and Comp Competition Law in Germany. He's currently Dean of Graduate School of Law, Sayam University, and the instructor at Mahidon University International College, Thammasat University College of Asian Scholars. Um, I'll just say that uh, Dr. Jade has also been a former um, constitution drafter and also advisor to uh, uh, different constitutional uh, drafting committees. He's known to, um, as a kind of a legal mind for, for Thai constitutionalism, constitutionalism, Thai politics. Uh, but in addition, I forget that he's actually a lawyer. He goes to court and he's an international uh, trade uh, policy law and uh, patents and copyrights and things like that. So uh, welcome to both of you. I'll just say as a kind of a, a groundbreaker, um, you know, we've had uh, a bumpy ride. There's been a lot of ups and downs in Thai politics over the last, <clears throat> you can say, six years, you, you can say 10 years, you can say two decades. And, um, you know, some will say even 100 years. You know, we, Thailand has been really unsettled. The Thai, Thai political landscape uh, has been very topsy-turvy, um, has been uh, uh, unstable, volatile, sometimes uh, tumultuous. And we've had uh, violence in the streets, streets uh, street demonstrations, protests, and so on. We've had two military coups um, in 2006, 2014. And um, since 2014, there's been the, another constitution. Thailand has had uh, uh, three constitutions since 1997. So it's a remarkable uh, uh, record, really. I mean, um, you know, 23 years, three constitutions. And the 2014 coup led to the 2017 constitution. Uh, it was uh, led by a um, military junta, and the, the leader of the junta is still the prime minister of Thailand, General Prayut Chan Ocha. The 2017 constitution eventually um, paved the way for, con for elections in, uh, in March 2019. So March last year, Thailand had an election, but the election really did not, I think by all accounts, it's fair to say, did not really settle uh, Thai politics or Thai political landscape, uh, things are still a bit murky uh, moving forward. So we have uh, uh, the same challenge that we've had over the last uh, couple of decades. Thailand just has not been able to find a, a new balance, a, a new footing. You know, this is a, a place, a country that has never 
uh, smooth and um, trouble-free. It's always got some kind of friction and tension. But in the past, there was a, uh, some kind of a moving mix and uh, a working arrangement in Thai politics that allowed a, the political landscape to be manageable, workable, and, and enabling the Thai economy and, and Thai people to move forward. But now there's a sense that Thailand has been stuck. Uh, been stuck over the last six years. The constitution of 2017 didn't really get Thailand out of its uh, um, slump. And I think uh, the elections also produce a, a kind of a controversial government. And uh, eventually, after the election, there was a coalition government. Early this year, we had um, um, the no confidence debate, and it was a controversial one. And the government, the coalition government, led by General Prayut, um, survive uh, the, the no confidence debate with a lot of drama. Um, you know, that was January, February, early this year. Around that time, there was also the dissolution of a up and coming uh, new party called the Future Forward Party, a party that was supported by a lot of young people. Uh, this, uh, this is a brand new party with uh, MPs who had no MP experience, uh, never been elected before, and they managed to um, Ghana um, initially 82 seats in parliament. So a force to be reckoned with, third largest winning party, but dissolved um, just like that early this year uh, in quick order. And that led to, that kind of spawned um, a, a, a protest movement, if you will, the so-called flash mob among uh, young people. I think a lot of young people who voted for Future Forward, um, they were awakened, you know, this was a party that they thought would be the way forward for Thailand. A lot of young people felt that their future had been squandered over these last five years, six years since the coup in 2014. Um, so that was January, February. And then March, of course, um, we had the intervention of coronavirus. Uh, and the coronavirus is an external shock. Uh, it came from outside, but it has afflicted uh, all kinds of countries and economies all over the world. Uh, and Thailand, of course, uh, is no exception. And Thailand has had to grapple with this uh, uh, COVID-19, and in, in doing so, in March, mid-March, late March, uh, the Thai government under General Prayut, the uh, Prime Minister, they imposed um, a stringent measures that eventually led to a, a lockdown and curfew uh, from late March all through April. And now in May, we're seeing uh, better numbers, uh, low infections, in fact, uh, single digits. Uh, a few days ago, there was even zero new infections. And so there's been some easing of the, the earlier draconian stringent measures and controls. Um, the curfew today, for example, has been a bit uh, reduced. Instead of 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., it will be 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, department stores uh, will be allowed to, to open again from the 17th of May. And, um, you know, people can now go to the park. This was uh, some earlier easing. So I think the, the climate uh, under COVID-19 is easing. Uh, with a lot of vigilance, with a lot of precautions, a lot of warnings from the authorities. Now that COVID-19 seems to be coming under control, we have to be uh, careful and cautious about second waves and, and future, future infections. But nevertheless, uh, the situation now, the fear, the panic is nothing like it was in, in March and April. Uh, with the easing, uh, we, we will see if the emergency decree uh, will be lifted by the end of this month when it expires. Also, Parliament is due to reconvene uh, later this month. So it looks like Thai politics is, uh, uh, is kind of uh, gearing up uh, for another goal. And um, we are now interested in looking at the dynamics in play. 
uh, now that COVID is easing a bit. Uh, so I want to um, open the floor, our dialogue and conversation this way uh, by looking at Thai politics uh, during and after COVID. Uh, what has happened to the, the youth movement, the flash mobs, are they still around or they, have they run out of, have they lost momentum, run out of, run out of energy, uh, or are they still a force to be reckoned with? Um, the Fisher Forward Party also now has become a kind of a, since their leadership has been banned for 10 years, they're now a kind of a, a political movement. Uh, we also want to look at the, the role of government. Um, you know, this COVID handling management center has uh, been run by the prime minister and permanent secretaries of different ministries, not the cabinet. Um, so we want to look at the coalition government, a little bit different parties uh, in the government. There's always some kind of bickering. Uh, whether government uh, legitimacy, longevity, um, you know, the, the composition and stability will last. And then the opposition also seems to be in some disarray over the last couple of months. Uh, are they still um, together? Are they still sufficient? The, the future forward is gone, successor parties come up, and then the pure tie is still there and a, a couple of other parties. So uh, I'll come to um, Dr. Pung Tong first, if, uh, if I could. Um, so, you know, looking back over the last, um, early this year, no confidence debate, future forward uh, dissolution, and then the flash mobs and so on, and then the intervention from COVID-19. Now COVID-19 looks like it's uh, under control, uh, more or less, unless it gets uh, another round uh, that is worse. Uh, we probably will see more easing, um, and then parliament might uh, reconvene. It should reconvene later this month. Emergency, might come, emergency decree might come to an end. Um, and so maybe Thai politics is uh, back in action. Uh, what should we be looking for, looking at, paying attention to uh, Jan Pung Tong Kap? Thank you, Jan Chitinan. Good afternoon, everyone, uh, the, the, all the online participants. Okay, I will get to the point that uh, Jan Chitinan raised. First, I believe that uh, the pandemic, I mean, after the pandemic subsides, student protest will surely make a comeback. But of course, it won't uh, take place immediately after the, the easing of the lockdown. The students themselves are, are concerned about the infection, the pandemic as well. But so it might take uh, another three to four months before we are quite uh, comfortable with, with uh, the situation. But even that, even it might take another half a year from now on for the student to be able to organize a big side protest. I believe that the flame, that flame will not be put off easily because the cause of the flame, the cause of the anger is still there. That is the military regimes of General Ryu and its allies. The government of Ryu is, I mean, I would say that it's very good at adding flames to the fire. Their nepotism, incompetence, ignorance, and indifference to the people suffering will re-emerge after the pandemic is gone. And that will keep enriching people, especially the, the youth. Moreover, I believe that the protests will be bigger than what we have seen before the pandemic took place. Because the student-led protests will be joined by a large number of people who are suffering economic hardship what in the city and in the provinces, the unemployed, the farmers, and those in the informal sectors, we know that they, they are now, their suffering is increased a great deal during the, the pandemic. And 
because many of them have suffered economic downturn for several years before the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, happened. So their situation is worsening, and then their situation is they're suffering governance. Uh, this governance their anger toward the government. Although the people are quiet during the lockdown, and the government appears to gain good credits from its able to contain uh, the pandemic. But if we are not too blind uh, or too deaf, we can see that the people's anger and frustration, uh, we can see them uh, via news report and social media on a daily basis. People can see clearly how the government treated the poor and the rich so differently. The rich get a package worth 100,000 million baht easily and quickly. But the financial aid for uh, the financial aid of 5,000 baht per month for the poor was given out reluctantly and full of complicated and unclear criteria. Instead of helping boost up the government popularity, the scheme enraged the people. It reiterated the public uh, it reiterated the public perception that the government of Rio since 2014 could uh, care very little about the poor and look at the poor with contempt. See, I, I don't need to remind you uh, how many uh, comments made by General Rio in the past indicate such uh, this attitude toward the, the people. And people are, are aware and remember all those things. And prior to, prior to the COVID pandemic, Taekwondo already performed the worst in the region. Why? The neighboring country did very well. The regime and its bureaucratic apparatus proved failure even in normal circumstances. Now, we are facing the global economic catastrophe, which is expected to last many more years. So you don't need to be a genius to tell uh, that this regime will never be able to lead Thailand out of the economic black hole. And we all know that Thailand has economic stagnation years before the pandemic. The household debt is skyrocketing. Before the pandemic happened, a study by the K-Bank indicated that the household debt for this year is expected to be as high as 80% of the GDP. So the real number now must be over 100%. That means majority of Thai people have no cushion for this sudden economic disaster. But can the military let government let Thailand out of this black hole? They couldn't do well during the normal circumstances. So the people see no future as long as this uh, military-led government uh, continue. Uh, their power. So the British government itself is a primary factor of the future protest. Another factor which will help reignite, reignite the popular protest is the leaders of the new defunct Future Forward Party. Now they change the name to the Progressive Movement or Kanakalna, and the new party name is uh, Kanakalkai, uh, Move Forward Party, something like that. This group led by Thanathorn, Kun Thanathorn, uh, Dr. Biyabut, and Kun Panika Wanik. Mm -hmm. Even though the Constitution, the Constitution Court banned Thanathorn from politics for 10 years, and the Future Forward Party was dissolved, it is clear that 
this young politician will not end their political fight. Mm -hmm. They will continue to fight for democracy and challenge the military rule. They will use the progressive group as their new platform. Thanathon will not wait in silence for 10 years to pass. I'm sure about that. Mm -hmm. His group will definitely be more active in politics after the pandemic subsides. This will then result in the establishment trying again to get rid of them and even try to punish Thanathon and his group. We know that the establishment has already led about 20 legal cases against them. Some of them could result in jail term. I wouldn't be surprised if Thanathon and Bayabut is in prison in the near future. And I believe that uh, both of them know the risk they are facing, but they will not end their political activities. And they will continue to challenge the regime. Then the confrontation between Thanathon, uh, Thanathon's group and the establishment will sustain and even energize the young voters' engagement in politics. And I think it's important to note that the movement of the young voters is not only for the progressive party of Thanathon. That movement is against the absolute authoritarian military regimes and its allies. They demand a functional democratic system, which produced government cannot give them. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was a produced regime which shaped the experience of Sudan, uh, the experience of the young water of this generation. The youth hold different perspective from their parents, I would say so. Mm -hmm. Their parent generation probably joined the yellow shirts at the PDRC uh, demonstration against Taksin at his parties. Their parents hold strong bias against politicians and electoral politics. Their parents are promising blind to the dangers and corrupt practices of the military regime and its allies. But this generation probably don't care what Taksin did because their adolescent years were clouded by the military rule. They grew up in this last six years seeing General Bayut on the TV uh, uh, on a daily basis. They witnessed how the establishment has controlled the infrastructure of power and used these apparatus to protect their group's interests and suppress their political opponent unjustifiably. Since the, generation, since the general elections last year, uh, the young people can see clearly that the so-called justice system in this country is not just. The independent organizations in this country are not independent. They fail to act as a check and balance mechanism. And the military-dominated regime acted as if they're going to stay in power for a very long time. They refuse to compromise, they refuse to uh, respect the rule of law and the critical principles. So in a way, the Puyut regime has unintentionally enlightened the youth to a great extent. The youth are disillusioned and thus lost faith and respect to all the important institutions in this country. The movement is not aimed at a few individual leaders. They say that the regime and its ally are the root cause of the society problems. You can see that in the uh, from the content uh, 
from the message that they uh, announced during the, the demonstration in, in, in many campuses. They did not just uh, attack uh, the youth and the few leaders of the, in the cabinet. They criticized several institutions. On the other hand, the former Future Forward Party was the first political party which had used identified their interests with because of its promise to bring a comprehensive literary reform and a more progressive socio-economic development agendas. Also, the Future Forward uh, Party style of a very professional, intellectual, and have a middle class character are very attractive to the young voters. While the style of the old political parties, either the Thai or the Democrats, are not attractive to them. Besides, this old party did very little to challenge the military regime, which is the, the root cause of problems uh, in the perspective of the young voters. I also like to know that the popular base of Thanaton groups is broader than college and school students, but it includes the professionals, the pro-democracy uh, activists, and, uh, and a lot of former researchers. Its popular base is expanding while the popular base of the establishment of the yellow shirt is shrinking. Besides, if there is an anti-military demonstration organized by whichever group, those who are suffering the economic hardship will be ready to support uh, the movement of the young voters. So I would like to, to uh, conclude here first that I believe that they will make a comeback. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, before I go to Ajahn uh, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Pong Tong, Ajahn Pong Tong, uh, this kind of follow-up question, I mean, the, the dynamics, the elements, the picture you have uh, painted, I think uh, many would agree with. I mean, the, uh, you know, it's a combustible situation. A lot of people are unhappy. Uh, you know, Thai politics has been very suppressive. There's been a coup and uh, there's been a suppression of uh, dissent uh, systematically. But what about, I mean, where do you think um, the catalyst for this kind of uh, uh, a change or this kind of uh, uh, opposition uh, from civil society, from anti-military elements and groups and so on, you know, what, what should we be looking at? I'm just thinking, look, you know, in 2010, there was a big redshirt protest against the kind of uh, military backed government. And it has to be organized. It was funded and organized. Um, you can say both sides, since 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, the last 20 years of Thai politics, you, you didn't really have street demonstrations that were not really organized, funded, and led with a certain agenda. And I'm just looking at the, um, the situation um, now. I mean, it, it looks very ominous. A lot of people are going to be unhappy, uh, in addition to students and the young, the youth, and the future forward um, people and so on. There's a lot of people now who've lost their jobs. They don't have uh, the means. They they're suffering hardship. So they um, they're not they're they're not going to be happy. At the same time, unlike 1997, 1998, they have nowhere to go. The government has a very small fiscal space to to alleviate this uh, these economic pains. And then at the same time, um, the Thai economy is supposed to contract anywhere from five to ten percent, five percent, five point five point two. If you listen to the central bank. 6.7% IMF contraction, TDRI is saying 10%. I mean, this is 
unheard of, unprecedented for Thai economy to be suffering a deep contraction like this with very uh, small fiscal uh, uh, purse strings and uh, space to, to, to deal with without exceeding the debt ceiling, the public debt of 60%. So when we look at the economy, it's really bad news for a long time. However, Ajahn Pung Tong, what if they just, the government is backed by the military, I think that's common knowledge, can they just uh, use uh, force, coercion, intimidation, lawfare, sue people, put them in jail, and put a lid and keep a lid on Thai politics, Thai politics like this for the last six years? They can do this again for the next six years. Would, would that be possible? Yeah, that's what they have been trying to do. That's what they have been doing in the last uh, six years, since the coup d'etat in 2014. They refuse to compromise. They refuse to uh, to share the power with the people. The way they do, they just use uh, the the power, the infrastructure power through to the court, to the uh, independent organization to suppress the their opponents. You see, for me, the stupid thing about this regime is to kick Thanaton and his uh, group out of the parliament to dissolve the future for the party to ban. Uh, Thanathorn and the members of the Future Forward Party from politics for 10 years. That means you are driving people out to the street again. Because if you keep Thanathorn in the parliament, he will have to fight uh, for democracy in parliament. But now he doesn't have the parliament platform anymore. But the people are keep suffering and the demand for a change is higher. Thanathorn can't, can't sit still and also the people know that he, they cannot rely on Thanathorn uh, to, uh, to, to use a parliament platform to, for, for, uh, to make the change for the better future. Even though there, there, there is still uh, a new political party that uh, related to the future forward one. They call the the, the Pakkao right? uh, Gai, move forward uh, party. But this uh, new party will be less uh, confrontational, I believe. They will, they will fight, you use uh, the parliament as a, uh, to fight for, uh, for better policies. But you see, uh, Thai politics has so many dimensions. You see, and Thanathorn will be, he himself, we know that both Thanathorn and we would have, a, have some, have a very, uh, uh, leadership charisma, they will be able to uh, mobilize uh, support. And with the time call, I think they, they will come out to, 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 to fight on the street. And, see, and so, based on the, the what happened in, in the last year, I believe that the Malaysian regime of the youth will refuse to compromise. They will, they will resort to legal cases, uh, but using law, use arrest, using uh, emergency decree or sort of thing to, to keep their power. Mm -hmm. and, and for, and, but as for the, the young movement of the student, can there be a force of change to the society in the near future? I think they're still at their uh, early period. The movement is still young. We need to give them time to to learn, to coordinate among themselves, among uh, 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 the universities, mm -hmm. among students in, in uh, different universities, and even to maybe 
to uh, coordinate with uh, other groups uh, in the provinces, such as the, the region in the provinces. They don't have to be a unified movement, but they should work together uh, and they should share, they, they should know that they have common goal. That is a uh, fighting for democratization. Mm. So even if they take time for the student movement to get a, a stronger, the weak point of the student movement uh, the movement of, of this uh, student that's because they lack, uh, they lack experience, they don't have a sponsor, they don't have a, a, a big boss uh, to uh, to lead them. But the bright side of it, they they don't have a conflict of interest, and they I believe that they they come with a with a, a good reason, with a legitimate reason to fight for. For democracy, they're fighting for their future, for the Thai society future. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, let me let me come to uh, Dr. Jade. From what you've said, Jan Pong Tong, is that you know, um, it points to uh, a lot of tension and uh, points to to confrontation uh, down the road. Unless uh, there are some changes, there are some compromises. Uh, it doesn't look very good. It looks kind of ominous and alarming. Um, Ajahn Jade, let me come to you. I mean, you've uh, helped. Uh, uh, write constitution before and uh, been the, on constitution uh, uh, advisory, advisory, advisory positions. Um, you know, we have a lot of issues. I mean, parliament has not been part of the COVID handling at all. So, you know, what role uh, should parliament, can parliament do, uh, perform to um, mitigate, alleviate some of this political tension that we, we are likely to see after COVID? And also, you know, the constitution of 2017 it has led to an election, but the election really has not uh, uh, lead to some kind of a, a balance or a political settlement. So people are unhappy on all sides, um, but one, one side is in power. And they were talking about having constitutional reforms. Eventually, ultimately, the constitution, the, the, the law of the land, supreme law of the land, that will have to be the, the ultimate answer uh, in terms of uh, resetting uh, the typical landscape uh, Thai political landscape in order to find a way forward again. What, what do you think, uh, in, in your view, uh, what we've seen earlier, the first couple of months this year, and then the COVID period, and then the, um, the, the post-COVID, uh, we'd like to see more tension and maybe confrontation at Tanjay? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Captain Titinan. Uh, from what you, you first start off, when you were saying about Thai politics, and you were mentioning that you're not so sure whether the, the situation of Thai politics today is the product of five years, six years, 10 years, two decades, or even a century. So look at, look at Thai politics that way. If I put it in a sort of archaic, uh, old-fashioned, and perhaps a bit superstitious, it's like, what people say that what goes around comes around. Or in Buddhism, we might think that it's a karma. Look at Thai politics. One of the issues dating all the way back to 1932, you might have seen that there was a movement that we were, or they call themselves as the, the People Party or Kanarat, Kanarasadon. That movement also did not have 
any legitimacy in doing what they did. The people overall around the country perhaps had no idea of what they were doing. Maybe the people in that era did not agree with what they did. So to many, they thought that such movement were fabulous to bring democracy to this country. But look at it in another way. That movement caused problems from then all the way until now, because that was a forceful coup d'etat and the first coup d'etat not only against the government and not only against a regime that only administered the country, but against the supreme power in the country then that was trying and had all the attempt, even ever since prior to the reign of King Rama VII, in order to bring democracy to the country. If we look at history, we will find that King Rama V, King Rama VI, all the way to King Rama VII, had tried in order to bring this country to democratization. But that group of people took His Majesty King Rama VII down. And needless to say, what had been done during such time. That vicious cycle still happens in the wake of democracy these days. If you look at this late, latest coup and every other coup d'etat in this country and in every other country, people felt that a coup d'etat is done against the government, which is not true. The coup d'etat is done against the head of the state. In every country where a coup d'etat is stated, that was staged against the head of state. That means all the coup is equal to the 1932 movement of the People Party to take down the power of His Majesty the King. So this latest coup d'etat did the same thing. It's a vicious cycle. Therefore, if you look at the coup d'etat, it's not a sin because of the takedown of the government, but it's the sin because of the taking down of the supreme power from the head of state. And ever since 1932, we have the two powers that join in in order to administer the country overall the head of state, which is or has always been the king, and the people. So in staging the coup, the power had been taken away from the king and the people. And that's the very problem. So from there, when we talk about the regime, this I think we have to be a little bit careful. Because people who are attacking the regime, and I think Ajahn Phuong Tong was uh, uh, giving example of how how the Future Forward Party or Kuntanathorn and Jan Piyabut, and now the, uh, the progressive movement as well as the, the Move Forward Party might be doing, which is trying to, uh, to challenge the regime. I think it's very fine to challenge the regime, which is called the government. It's also fine to challenge the regime that is called the National uh, Council for Peace and Order 
or the cost of choice in Thai in CPO. But what we have also seen in the challenge of the regime, they strengthen the challenge all the way up to His Majesty the King. And I'm not so sure whether the movement, all these movements, are mainly trying to attack constitutional monarchy or democracy with the king as head of state. I think if that is so, this is very, very dangerous for Thai society. And I think it will not be fruitful. And in the end, if that is what the movement has been trying to do, I don't think that the majority of Thai people will join in. But if the challenge is on NCPO, the challenge is on the government, the challenge is on General Prayut, and if they are doing it in a new style, in a proper style, and in a fashion in which people can see that it's new or novel political movement, I think the success is quite high. What happened to the movement of the Future Forward Party was that it's pretty unfortunate that a group of people, a group of members of parliament in the Future Forward Party had tried in order to move the country and in order to move the party through parliament with new and novel fashion of politics. But some of the main actors of the parties, I can say, for example, Kuntanathorn Ajahn Piyabut, chose to use old-fashioned politics, fighting with verbal movement, going all the way back to 1932, talking about democracy in an old-fashioned way, moving in an attacking and unfruitful literary and legalistic, which does not work, and it caused more tension. Yes, it's true that the regime, which is NCPO or the government, has been trying to suppress all the movement against them. But it's also not the right thing to do a direct attack. And talking as Ajahn Pong Tong was raising, lots of people have been putting it that way that the matter that took the Future Forward Party down was the regime, which this is also harmful to the overall institutions of Thailand. Because what happened was that the Future Forward Party's case went to the Constitutional Court. If it is said that the regime took down the Future Forward Party, that means directly the Constitutional Court is part of the regime. And therefore, this is considered conspiracy movement. Under conspiracy theory, the Constitutional Court is also said in this sense that it is part of the regime. And therefore, there is a conspiracy to take down the future forward. I think this is harmful to the society that if all fingers are pointed at the constitutional court that they are part of the regime, especially put it in the way that Ajahn Piyabut, right 
on the day that the former president of the Constitutional Court was appointed as the Privy Council to His Majesty King Raman X. Ajampi would put it like there had been something done by the former president of the Constitutional Court. Therefore, he was appointed as the Privy Council. I think it would come back to what I said earlier about the regime. And I think this is harmful. So if we want to walk to reconciliation, if we want to walk to reform, I don't think what happened in 1932 should be redone today, any day in the future. We should come to the wake of new politics. We should call for new sort of democracy. We shouldn't put ourselves in the historical wheel that move backward instead of move forward. If we think that there is problem with our democracy today, then every other thing that happened yesterday, those are history, were history, and will always remain history. We talk about today, walk to the future. If we think that there's problem of equality, and when we talk about equality, of course, no one is naive enough to think that everybody will get everything equally. Everybody will get all payments equally. Everybody will have economic stability that is the same. No, but we're talking about a country which we have equity, we have fairness, and we have justice that can be accepted by the majority or by all. So I think that is the main point in which the new movement should take upon. If the new movement is taking upon this, I think what has been left out before the COVID-19 or before the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic was that it's questionable why the Constitutional Court dissolved the Future Forward Party. That time, there was almost a movement which Ajahn Titinan called flash mob. And maybe at that time, had the coronavirus not hit the country, it might have been a movement in which is not flash mob, but might be just a mob, a, a long-term mob, which we have seen many times in this country. That had not happened then. But just like Ajahn Pong Tong said, and I agree, it might be happening in the future. If that is still on, then the problem that have to be clear out is what happened to the Future Forward Party? What happened to the Constitutional Court? Why the verdict came out like that? And if we are walking to reconciliation of this country, I think we have two things to do. The first thing is that what had been left out prior to the COVID-19 about the Future Forward Party, about the Constitutional Court ruling, and about many other things will have to be talked over, will have to be cleared out, and we will have to walk to the new type of democracy together. The second thing is that ever since the coup that was staged, it was said that the coup will bring to our country a reform, many sort of reform, many types of reform, and we don't see anything 
to this moment. So if we are bringing reform to the country and we want this reform to actually be effective, efficient, and applicable, I think this is the point in which we can walk together. What sort of reform? And this kind of reform must not only be under the regime of the NCPO or this current government, but everybody should be joining and everybody should be invited to join. And I think from, from this point, part of what Ajahn Titinan asked me earlier about constitutional reform will also be in this big reform of the country. Political reform, economic reform, and all sorts of reform, educational reform. Then we join hands in hands. And I believe a decades after this, two decades after this, we might have some type of reconciliation that of course we will not be in agreement in everything in this country, but we can agree to disagree. And we can disagree to agree to a certain extent and that will be fruitful for the country overall. So th that's what I okay. have for, for this, uh, this first part. Thank you, thank you very much, Atante. Uh, uh, th that's a very good uh, view from your side and I think uh, it would it would resonate with uh, with a lot of people as well. I would just say this: you mentioned the word challenge uh, a number of times, and also you mentioned uh, how uh, the way to go in terms of the the approach of uh, future forward party was not uh, something that you agreed with uh, in terms of challenging um, the the regime. You, you call it. Um, I just want to 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 highlight this point. Uh, this this word challenge. So I want you know this. This cuts right through Thai politics. I want our viewers to um, uh, to know that you know this this is really the um, the essential point in Thai politics. We're talking about this challenge, and uh, um, is it fair to say can 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 we characterize um, it this way, Adanje? So in the Thai political order, the the incumbent uh, regime. Uh, the establishment, and Dr. Pung Tong used the word establishment. This is the, the established institutions, established centers of power. Can we say that, that uh, throughout the decades, these institutions have been the military, uh, the monarchy, the bureaucracy? Can we say that? I mean, is that one side? You know, when you have a challenge, it's, it's uh, two sides, right? Is that one side? And then is the other side um, these uh, political movements, political parties that, that rely and depend on um, the, the citizenry on polls and elections and constitutions and um, uh, popular will and popular support. Is that, the, is that the characterization for what's at stake? Uh, political order based on established institutions from the, the past decades and maybe new yes. forces yes. Um, based on political parties mm -hmm. and politicians who want to uh, gain popular legitimacy uh, to sort of uh, run Thailand or, or have some kind of political order in Thailand in that way. If that's so, then that's really the essence of what we're talking about. What, what would you say, Tanjit? Is that fair characterization? Yes. Well, I, I think the, the characterization that you made, if, if we put in, in terms of the character of the institutions, I, I think the when we say the establishment, the establishment comprising the military and the bureaucracies that I can take, but I would like to take the monarchy out because I think I staged earlier that uh, the, the monarchy has also and had been hurt through this sort of movement. Every 
time that we had a coup d'etat in this country, it didn't only hurt the people, it also hurt the monarchy. So if anyone put the monarchy together with the military, together with the bureaucracies and say this is the establishment and this is the regime, that's what I try to point out that if it's institutionalized that this whole establishment has the monarchy or the king as top of the establishment, I, I don't buy that and I disagree. But if saying that it's the military, it's the head of the military, it's the bureaucracies that also join with the military, even if it's said that, well, the, the reason that the coup or all the coup orders was effective or were all effective was because the, the, the Supreme Court ruled that the order of the coup has been drafted into law, had always been law, has been law and will always be law. So I think that's also part of the problem and that's also from the bureaucracy. So if you say that this is the whole establishment, we can take that. That is why I was saying about challenge that if you are challenging the regime as the military, the bureaucracies, or the establishment as a group of military who were trying to put powers together, join in politics, take political power, and do all such things that they want, then fair and fine. That, that's the establishment. And anyone can challenge that establishment because such establishment is hurting the country. But if you put the establishment overall as the king, as head of the establishment, that's what I said that is dangerous and quite harmful for this country if the challenge is on such regime. Therefore, I was saying that if the regime is including the institution as the monarchy or the king, then don't do that. But if the regime is the NCPO, is anyone who staged the coup, is the government, is the military, is the bureaucracies, is anything else that put themselves together as the establishment in order to take the ruling of the country and take all what they think, just like as just, just as Chan Phom Tong was mentioning, that all the wealth had been put together and hand over to the rich, and where has, been, where has it been taken away from, from the poor? If that is the issue, then that's a big problem of this establishment. So that's what I said, that challenge okay. the right regime, challenge the right establishment, but don't challenge the wrong regime, the wrong establishment. Okay, thank you, Ajante. So you're saying that the regime or establishment um, does not include uh, the institution of the monarchy and that the monarchy is uh, above and beyond the cut and thrust yeah. of politics yeah. and beyond its challenge. Okay, now um, I would like to start a, a discussion to include uh, our viewers' comments and questions. We have a couple of uh, questions already, um, a number of them, but let me start with uh, uh, Tan Hui. Can, can I add something? I like some respond um, to what Jan just said. Just um, a brief yeah, just, response. Uh, maybe just a, a minute or two, uh, Jan Phuong Tong. Go ahead, please. I want to I want to get to the viewers. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just uh, uh, try to be brief. I mean, the first issue, uh, Jan Jie talking about the 1932 revolution, he says it's not a revolution, it's just a coup. And at that time, uh, the Thai people were not ready for democracy yet. And then if you take this premise, it's... I mean, several decades after 1932, the ruling elites still said that Thai people are not ready for democracy. Even the Korean junta also implied that. So it's mean that, in their opinion, 
Thai people always ready and should be under the military <laughs> regime. And we have been under the military regime longer than under the elected government. Okay. And also, that's uh, the way you said that 1922 is just uh, a coup d'etat. That's just uh, one version of history. I mean, there are uh, uh, well, uh, more than one version of, of, of history of, uh, of the interpretation of the 1932. I would suggest, Jan, uh, you may not be uh, familiar with the, uh, uh, the academic works on social science. Such as I would suggest uh, you, you reading uh, the book by Ajahn Atapon Jai Jing called Fun Fight, Fun To Dream, The Impossible Dream, which show how the royalists are trying to reverse the democratic process uh, introduced by the 1932 uh, People Parties. <laughs> and uh, also, even read uh, the book by uh, Professor Nakarin Megpairat, 1932 Revolution. Professor Nakarin is now the member of the Constitution Court. Then you, that, that's, that's a, a different version of what you uh, interpret the 1932. And also when you're talking about that, we shouldn't include the, uh, the monarchy uh, in the establishment. You, you yourself included it. But when you uh, accuse the former future forward party of uh, trying to do harm to the monarchy, when, I'm talk, when I say that they are trying to challenge the regime, I mean, the military and its ally in, in the infrastructure of power, the independent organization, or something that show that, that uh, show what, what they, uh, they are standing for since the election last year. Where it's an always easy to use it accusation that to, the, to your opponent that they are not loyal to the monarchy because this accusation is always powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's no, no ground, no evidence to suggest that Thanatron is trying to do anything to disloyal uh, to the monarchy. <laughs> you just read their intention without any proof. Okay, yeah. And this has been, has been uh, uh, running for, for, uh, for, for too long. And I also, when to you're talking about the new politics, new uh, new style of democracy that we should introduce to uh, to Thailand. And you uh, said that the future forward party using the old style of things. I don't see how the NCPO, the military, the, the, the government of the youth is very modern, very new, and trying to do something to uh, to improve democracy in, in this country. And say, uh, I think Thanathor, I, I would uh, reiterate that he is trying not to fight uh, politics on the street. That's why he chose to fight in the parliament. But it's the establishment that trying to kick him out of the parliament. Okay, thank you very much. Can, 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 I say, can I say a bit? Like I say, just um, one minute. Uh, one minute, please. Just one minute, because I have a lot okay, of uh, okay. comments. Okay, okay. I, I, I just want to say brief and short that I did not say what Ajahn Phuong Thong said, that Kuntanathan is against the monarchy, is that is the, I didn't say anything. I was just saying, no, I didn't, I, I didn't imply, Ajahn, I didn't imply. I was just saying, if it is, then I think do it the other way around. And I think fairly enough, I said about the general Prayut, and I think it's not only today that I said all along about general Prayut, about the regime, about the government, so on and so forth. And I also said it today, I didn't say that they're good, 
I didn't say that they're not old-fashioned, but the question that Ajahn Titinan gave to me and the movement that we're talking about, we're talking about the future forward, we're talking about something else. So if you want me to talk about General Prayut, whether old-fashioned, whether so on and so forth, I can talk about him. But why are we talking about him? Because we're talking about the new movement. That's why I was talking about a new movement. I'm not talking about the old thing. And I also said that the 1932 is also as bad as the Muji Prayut and all any other coup. I said clear that all the coup was bad. So I just don't understand. What's the problem? Okay, that, okay thank you very much, Kavachan. Kappa. We have, uh, I want to kind of uh, look forward a bit with uh, uh, some questions we have uh, going forward. I want to, to look ahead and see see where, where we are likely to be heading uh, and uh, how oh. should we should prepare and what we can do and so on. Um, but for our viewers, uh, I'll just say based on uh, uh, Dr. Pung Tong, Dr. Jade's uh, comments and uh, my own observation as well, it's very interesting that, you know, 88 years ago in 1932, something happened in Thai politics. And, and somehow, for some reason, in this last uh, months and uh, several years, um, that year 1932 is very much alive again in today's Thai politics. It's, it's very interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's almost like a, a uh, it's coming full circle 88 years somehow for, for various reasons. Now, a couple of questions um, about uh, forward-looking kind of uh, projections and um, uh, analyses. Uh, one question from uh, Straits Times uh, correspondent, uh, Tan Hui Yi, uh, as COVID-19 wanes as it subsides, um, if you know we still have these stringent measures, uh, what if the emergency decree is not fully lifted? And there will there will likely be some some uh, stringent measures of uh, control in place still, even as COVID nineteen uh, looks to be more under control. Would Thai people put up with that? That's the question. How much? To what extent would Thai people um, put up with uh, uh, more uh, political control from the the government in exchange? for public health safety in exchange for keeping the virus away? To what extent are they are willing to, to give up some liberty to be safe from virus? And then another question from a former ambassador to Thailand from Australia, um, James Wise. Uh, you know, last year, he, he raised a point that 40% of the electorate uh, that voted last year still voted for the, the, the coalition government parties uh, that does in power now. Uh, you know, the Palang Pasharat, uh, the, um, the Democrat Party, Pum Chai Thai, so the, the coalition parties, they commanded about 40% or so of the, of the popular votes. Now, has COVID-19 undermined that support? Uh, has the government's, the, the Bayut government's handling and management of COVID-19, has it undermined his support base? Is he still popular? I mean, he was uh, more popular after the coup in 2014. Um, and maybe even uh, after the election, he was able to put together a coalition government. Uh, you know, so is he still popular? Is the government still popular? Uh, does he still have support from his own people that voted for it last year? Uh, Ajahn Pong Tong, maybe we, we, uh, we go with you first, Ajahn Pong Tong. Okay. Uh, for the first question, how much time people will put up with those stringent uh, measures? Mm -hmm. uh, you see, the stringent measures, if, when it is up, it's not because of a political concern. It's because of the, uh, the people are outraged by their suffering and they need to, to, uh, to get job, to get, uh, uh, to get uh, the income. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that, uh, okay, it's good that the government started to ease up the measure and it will, we have to do more. Otherwise, people, the, the suffering is unbearable. You, you, you will see people uh, committed suicide uh, more and more. See, I think it's just the beginning of the suffering. It will, this will go on for uh, at least a few more years. Mm -hmm. With the ease up of the stringent measures, it will allow students to come back. And when we're talking about students, it's not just those who still uh, students, those who already graduated and couldn't find a job, become unemployed. I would say that it would be normal for students of this generation and the newly graduates to become unemployed for a couple of years, even those from the top university. It's not easy for them to find jobs anymore. So this will be the power, will be the driving force uh, behind the protest that they're ready to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and okay. also the, those not in the provinces, they suffer more. I really, I really don't see them clearly as those in the city. So they, those people, they, they don't have, uh, they don't have the I mean, ability to set up uh, the, the fresh market or makeshift market to, to earn a small income like uh, people in the city. People in the city, somehow they, they can survive. They can make a makeshift uh, market quickly in a, a couple of days and they, they, they create a new, new market, a new store. But in the province, they cannot, they have no facility, there are no income, there are no people to, to buy things from them. <laughs> and for the second question, uh, the co mm. Whether uh, after the COVID-19, the previous government and the coalition party will be able to uh, sustain their uh, popularity. You see, we have to, to look back how those coalition parties gain uh, such a high popular, popular, uh, popular voice. I think it's, it's due to many factors. The first thing we know that they injected so many uh, populist policies. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the bad control, the cars for the poor, the cars for the old, and also those, uh, I would say those, uh, the members of the mass organization, which, which are under the, the power of the Internal Security Operation Commands and the Ministry of Interior, they also uh, get it, uh, their payment, they, they also uh, get increased uh, in their uh, money allowance, money allowances. Mm -hmm. And also the the board buying is very very widespread during that time. The way they uh, attract the the former members of the Thai Party and, and other parties to join them. So a lot of money was injected in, in, in the last election. But say if we have uh, another election uh, next year, whether they, they can they can get all those money. They, they probably can, they can, they probably, uh, the government may probably uh, use a loan mm -hmm. to uh, inject into the popular, uh, into the populist uh, policy to get vote. Okay. You see, the, the voting uh, behavior uh, in Thailand and in, in, in different uh, regions in the country is, is very, but one factor, sometimes uh, the short-term benefit short-term profit when people get, such as the money allowance for the poor and for the old, work very well. I think the military, the establishment know that 
Okay, thank you very much. Uh, you mentioned uh, election next year. Election is not due until 2023. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's actually a good point because <laughs> it's actually a good point because um, if push comes to shove, if tensions lead to confrontation, if Thai politics uh, reach a dead end of some sort, um, you know, if, if it doesn't go towards confrontation, the, a snap election or some kind of election uh, could be a, a release or some kind of a, a way out of, of a potential crisis. So it's, uh, it's a good point that you mentioned because uh, uh, I could see it happening uh, before the full four-year term expires. Um, uh, Ajahn Jade, uh, coming to you, uh, you think that uh, would the government be tempted to kind of uh, hang on to COVID? You know, I, I can see the government missing COVID-19 in a way because COVID-19 allows them <laughs> to have this, uh, a lot of control, a lot of authority, curfews, sh you know, um, yes. shutdowns and so on. Um, would they be tempted to maybe yes. keep yes. these uh, measures on for some time indefinitely? And then maybe Thai people would then you know, they'll be afraid of the virus, a second wave or something, maybe they'll put up with it, uh, you think. And then you think the government now, especially Jennifer, you're less popular than maybe six months ago or a year ago, in your view? Well, I, I think I think it's it's quite sad that we we actually don't know whether or not it's also in the mind of the government. Okay, if we have a government that we clearly can look up to and feel that they are not missing the COVID-19, then we're pretty happy with that government. But I don't think the Thai people at this point can really feel that way, that the government is not going to miss COVID-19. So direct to your question, Nathan I think the government will, to a certain extent, miss COVID-19. And that's not only sad, it's also bad. But why are they missing the COVID-19? Of course, the COVID-19 is like a flood that hide so many things and this flood actually firstly wiped away the, uh, the situation in which after the constitutional court verdict could have happened, but did not happen because the COVID-19 hit at the right point and that saved the government. However, I don't think that will go away. And I think because of that, so many things prior to the COVID-19 are still with Thai society the poverty, the uh, instability of the society, the polarization, the non-reform, the non-reconciliation, the problem of new types of regime that turn themselves from the NCPO into the government. And they are doing so much that people are not buying into, however, because of the COVID-19. Therefore, such event brought about to another type of power to the government, but this will not last long. And talking about the popularity of the government, I, I agree that I'm not so sure whether the popularity of the government was so high from the beginning. Even from the election, there were so many factors that turned out to be the reason why the, uh, the Palambacharat party gained the, the number of seats that they gained and gained the, the numbers of votes that they, they did have. So at that point, the popularity of Palang Pacharat, which turned out to be the, uh, the center of the government today, is also questionable. Therefore, the popularity today is still questionable and more questionable. And I think the, the credit of dealing with COVID-19 is not quite given to the government.
from Thai people. The Thai people might be joining in with the government in order to ease off this pandemic. But I think the credit is given more to the public health institutions of this country, doctors, nurses, and all those people who work so hard in order to help pave all the ground in order to help the country and in order to set the country ready, especially not only to deal with the first move, the first pandemic, there might still be the second pandemic. The new normal that we are talking, that people are discussing, if that does not happen to this country in reality, then the second wave of pandemic, the third wave of pandemic might be coming. Therefore, all these undermines the popularity of the government for sure, because the popularity of the government is shaky from the beginning. And of course, it's now going to be more shaky and in the future will be shaken by all other movements that, that Ajahn Pung Tong also mentioned, many other people also mentioned. So, so we, we, we can wait to see that. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, th there's a point raised by Kun Burin Gantabut about the, you know, this invitation for the 20 uh, wealthiest uh, Thais or businessmen, uh, Thai business people to, to contribute, to help uh, during this crisis. So uh, he is wondering if, uh, you know, if you invite uh, the richest to, to help uh, Thailand, is it still possible to um, try to tax the richest people, you know, if they're helping Thailand in that way. So I want to just broaden that point. Um, I mean, we, we have, and you know, this, this probably will be our kind of last round. I want to kind of put it this way. Um, COVID-19, Ajanjit, uh, was a, a, a godsend for the government in a way. I think that's, uh, uh, it's fair to say that, you know, it, it gave them, in, in a way, it was a great uh, um, opportunity to overlook a lot of the problems they had, a lot of controvers controversies about certain cabinet members and so on. It was a lot of drama in parliament. So when COVID-19 came, it was an opportunity for the government to take its mind or uh, divert attention to, to other things. And then uh, when they, they appointed the doctors and public health officials and professionals to run the show uh, at the COVID uh, uh, virus fighting center, that, that was a big boost to the government um, credibility because then the doctors got the, the virus, coronavirus under control and then you know, so low now the infection rate. Um, so they've succeeded. And I think Thailand ranks very well in the world for handling the coronavirus in terms of the death toll, the, the infections and the recoveries. Um, I think it's also been acknowledged internationally to have done well. Uh, but now, without COVID, as COVID wanes and, and subsides, you know, the government will have to go back and you know, the old issues will come up again. As you said, it's like almost a flood. So after the water recedes, uh, the old problems come back up. And, uh, and here is um, uh, where we are. And I also think that uh, uh, going forward, uh, there will have to be, you know, ways to come to some kind of uh, agreement, compromise through reforms. There have to be some reforms. Uh, we've had a lot of problems before COVID and COVID-19, I think, has exposed Thailand's weaknesses in many, many ways. Um, the governance, the bureaucracy, the, the inter-agency uh, disagreements and rivalries, people saying, you know, the leaders saying different things and so on. And Thailand is not the only country that suffers from these uh, shortcomings. A lot of countries have had their hands full with COVID-19. But for us, um, you know, yeah. if we were to, to take a, a constructive view um, going forward, Jan Pung Tong, Jan Jet, um, 
what would be some of the key areas in your view? Um, what needs to change in Thai politics so we don't head to some kind of a clash with more tension so that we can kind of uh, find a way that uh, uh, that we all can can kind of move forward together after years and years. And I, I have to say, uh, what the government we have now and the tension and, and uh, um, kind of um, underlying uh, undercurrents that we have uh, leading to confrontation, you know, it, this is not new. It's the culmination of the last two decades of uh, crisis and conflict uh, characterized by protests and demonstrations and military coups. Uh, but now, after 20 years, uh, what can we do? Is there a way, uh, two or three areas that you think you might recommend uh, as a way of moving forward for, for Thai politics? That's Anpuong Tong Cup. Maybe we come to you first. Uh, I'm not optimistic person. I don't have uh, optimism for for this government at all. I, I mean, we. I would expect at, at least they they should trying to uh, improve themselves. Uh, but what we have seen in these last six years under previous government, no, they didn't want to listen. You see, when you're talking about the reform in there. Conception, the 23, the 20 years strategic plan is the reform, the perception reform. That is trying to control electoral politics, trying to control uh, political parties. Mm -hmm. So actually this strategic plan is its way to weaken uh, electoral democracies. Uh, if we have a legitimate elected government with a strong uh, opera support, they won't be able to work with this, with this plan. This is the idea of reform that is trying to control politicians uh, only. They, are talk, they, they have no idea about the, how the, the world is going to evolve, the globalization, preparing for Thailand for, for the next 20, 30 years. No, that's, that, that's not the idea of reform. So, so, and when we're talking about the people they recruit into this, uh, drafting of this plan, uh, reform, reconciliation, the country. They are a very form a very conservative sector of, of, of uh, the society. Among themselves, they don't listen to different ideas, different voices, that's a problem. I don't think that they are able to, to, to make a change, even though I think uh, last, uh, yesterday I, I saw that uh, they, they include a uh, young economists into this uh, a new committee they set up to to take care of the uh, maybe economic uh, problem but you see even though they are they, they recruit uh, the new progressive uh, technocrat into the government the problem is this government is uh, based on coalition parties and each party have their own uh, interests to, to care for, mm -hmm. and they are in conflict, and, and we can say that just less than one year under the cabinet, we see the conflict of interest. We see the, the not so transparent practice among the, the cabinet member, and there's no, no good governance uh, within the cabinet. So these uh, few uh, good uh, economists or technocrats are trying to do something good for the country, with the, I, I wonder if they can find this uh, politician uh, in the cabinet and also the military, which have a very high stake in, in this regime. Mm -hmm. So I, I, 
I don't believe that they can do for themselves. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, um, well, we, we have another question from Kunina uh, Jyoti Sarintan. Maybe you can see a reshuffle after the COVID-19. That's all they can do. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, talking about reshuffling, a question from Kun Jyoti Sarintan also talking about the the internal dynamics within the Palang Pasharat. Uh, we've seen a lot of news about uh, jockeying for power, maybe even changing the leadership of uh, Palang Pasharat uh, from Kun Uttama uh, Sawayanon to uh, maybe uh, General Prawit uh, Wong Suwan. Uh, a lot of speculation there, but certainly the, the internal dynamics are very fluid within the, the ruling, the main ruling party, Palang Pasharat. Um, so one another kind of a release valve would be a cabinet reshuffle, as uh, Dr. Pong Tong has just said. And, um, you know, I, I mean, we actually were thinking, looking for some kind of reshuffle earlier, but uh, this government, remarkably, uh, after over a year, there's been no significant reshuffling of the, uh, the cabinet lineup. Uh, normally, uh, you know, we would have seen one already. So I wonder if they will actually have it. If they have it, what kind of uh, outcomes we'll see, whether we'll see a change of leadership and whether the reshuffle will be enough to, um, to satisfy uh, popular disenchantment and you know to improve performance so that they can last a bit longer. Um, that's remain that remains to be seen. But um, I come to it, Anjay. I mean, you know, you talk about reconciliation, and uh, I, I mentioned the word uh, reform. I mean, this uh, you know crisis uh, is an opportunity also to implement a lot of uh, reforms to uh, you know to cover our weaknesses, to strengthen the Thai bureaucracy, Thai economy, and so on and so on. But uh, reform and reconciliation, they require um, mutual concessions, right? So if one side um, consolidates and entrench, um, the other side demands and dissent, um, but no side is giving in an inch, uh, we don't have reform and reconciliation. We will have more, uh, more tension and more division. And it looks that way to me, but you know, what do you think, Ajante? Of course, Ajahn Titina, I, I totally agree with what you have just said. But if you want, if you if you ask me just one reform that I would want to bring to this country is reform of the the level of corruption. The level of corruption in this country is too high. And I think it's it's too high for everybody to tolerate it. If we cannot eradicate corruption, we have to reduce it to a very, very low level that we can say corruption is not a serious problem in the country. Left for the laws to deal with those who are still corrupted after we can reach that level. But today, the level of corruption is very, very high. And looking back to the history, I've said about the 1932 movement. If you look into the declaration of the People's Party then, they were saying that the government prior to 1932 were so corrupted. But what I have found is that every other coup was staged saying that the government then was so corrupted, therefore they had to take down the government. Also this coup that took down the Yingluck's government also said that it's so corrupted. But it was also found that all the coup had problems. All the regime after the coup had problems of corruption. So that means everyone who had political power 
tends to corrupt. And in the military, in the police, in the bureaucracies, in all government offices, and not also that, linking to the private sector, people were saying, why this government also call upon only several companies? Why in the end, even for eradicating the COVID problems, they also call upon 20 riches of the country? What's the problem? Is money the issue or it's something else? So I think if we can do away with corruption, because I think corruption is the bad and the worst rooted problems of this country. So if we can reform that we reduce the level of corruption to an extent in which I said to be accepted that it's not a serious problem, but if there are still corrupt practices, we can deal with those practices with the laws. And I, ve I very much like the, the comment that Ajantitinan, you raised about someone was asking whether we should tax the rich people. I think in order to help the poor or we help those who are in need, I think we should tax those people who, who can help. Like, for example, I would, be, I would be happy if, let's say, for example, I pay personal tax, 5%, 6% each year. And if you elevate my tax up to 7%, 8%, I will be happy to pay that. And I think the richer a person is, the more percentage that person should be paying. So, so I think that's a very good idea. And the government should buy into that idea because that's the way in which we are really helping the society as a whole and trying to do this together, join hand in, hands in hands. Okay, let me just, uh, we have just a few minutes. Um, you mentioned corruption. Would you say that corruption is uh, endemic and is pervasive in all segments of Thai society? Or are you referring to corruption in certain places and not, not other places? Uh, because corruption is uh, the flip side of um, democratic uh, uh, retardation, you know, that's why um, on the flip side of it is you, you don't have uh, trust and you don't have uh, good governance and integrity and so on because there's so much corruption. But are you, are you seeing corruption everywhere or, or just in some pockets? In all. And I think this is the worst disease of this country. I'm not sure whether it's infected, but I think it's the worst disease of this country and it's in all walks of life in this country. You can find it on the road, you can find it in the government building, you can find it in all the bureaucracies, you can find it in almost every police station, and you can find it almost all around yourself when you walk down the road, when you go everywhere in this country. So I think that's very, very bad for this society. Yeah, I think that you would have uh, many, many people agreeing with that, uh, with that view. Uh, because it's uh, it's pervasive, it's uh, it's deeply um, embedded and uh, entrenched. Uh, but I think the the way to tackle it, um, you know, people might different people might have different views, um, and yes, the yes, uh, the process in doing so yes. might have uh, might be different in, in different views. Um, Ajahn Phong Tong, uh, right. as a kind of a, a last uh, comment, if you if you will, I mean, um, you know, you've said uh, a lot about the the progressive movement and. Um, uh, what you said basically, uh, it doesn't it doesn't sound very good. It looks like we're going to head to 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 more tension and uh, confrontation. Possibly, maybe reshuffle can buy time. Cabinet reshuffle, maybe uh, yeah, earlier election can can put off uh, these tensions. But ultimately, uh, if there are not uh, reforms and um, you know concessions and accommodations, 
in, in the long run, uh, we still will have uh, this, uh, you know, kind of underlying uh, tension in Thai society. Would you say it's an Pong Tong? Uh, well, I mean, we are facing an impasse, particular impasse. Uh, you see, and I, I mentioned that the, the dissolution of the future of our party and the kick out of a Thanapod for parliament is, uh, has been that our political uh, uh, path to democracy had, had locked up, had, put, had closed down again. So we are, I'm not sure, I mean, I mean even though Kuntanathor said that he don't want to uh, uh, fight democracy on the street, he didn't want to lead people onto the street again, but I don't think that it's possible, I don't think that we can see democracy without uh, 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 fighting uh, democracy on the street because of the, uh, the lawful uh, platform or the legitimate uh, or the, the institution or the uh, legitimate platform that we chuck down for the people to use. And, but uh, you see, when I'm, when I'm talking, uh, just the last thoughts about uh, democratization in, in Thai society, it's not just about uh, those uh, on the top that are trying, that uh, that's are the obstacle to democratization. I think the people too, the, the middle class in, in, in Thai society, they still enjoy the military uh, regime. And what happened during the COVID, it's not good for elect, uh, electoral politics. Okay. The way the uh, youth government uh, uh, utilized Dr. Tavisin and the staff of the public health uh, ministry to uh, be the uh, for front of the, uh, the COVID-5 and then uh, keep those uh, politicians uh, from the Democrat, from the Thai uh, Party, uh, I mean, we don't see them at all in this last month. It's not good for electoral uh, politics. It shows to the people, eventually the middle class who already uh, dislike or even uh, uh, that's why politicians. You see, politicians are useless. They don't know to work. They are full of corruption. Now we have to rely on uh, civil servants. They are more professional. They are more knowledgeable. You see, this confirmed. This practice confirmed. There's a problem where the coalition, this coalition government is full of incompetent politicians. This government okay. is, okay, it, it, it's based on the nepotism. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I, okay. I run out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ajante, if you want to have a last word, you, you may. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just bring this to a, a, a close. Uh, anything would you would like no, to add? Uh, okay, thank you very much. Look, um, you know, our topic today, thank you for bo to both of you for your time, your expertise, your, uh, your experience, and your effort. I mean, the topic is about Thai politics beyond COVID-19. So I'll just say to our viewers again, uh, you know, we heard uh, the year 1932 more and more often in Thai politics and the Thai political discourse narrative. And somehow uh, something that happened 88 years ago is coming back to Thai politics. Uh, more people are talking about it. So if you want to really understand and grasp what's going on in Thai politics, uh, one way is to go back and look at what happened 
what led to what came after 1932, because it's being talked about again and again. And then I'll just say this as a last comment and observation. You know, in the past, we've had uh, crises. Um, in the 1930s, of course, uh, Thailand went through uh, the Second World War, Cold War, all kinds of crises. 1973 in October, big student uprising. 1992, big uprising in Bangkok uh, against the military disguised uh, dictatorship, um, just like 1973 in a way. And then eventually in the 2000s, the protests, yellow shirts, red shirts, two military coups. So all of this happened, but a lot of people still have been um, impressed and uh, astonished at how Thailand keeps getting through and getting by. Um, but I would say this time, it, it feels to me uh, not like the past. First, the, the economic contraction is very deep. Unlike 1997, 1998, there's no cushion like we had before. The big agricultural sector in 1997, 1998 absorbed a lot of the unemployment, and they, they kind of provided a, a shock absorber safety net uh, to allow the people to have uh, livelihoods. And then in the 2000s, early 2000s, we had the recovery based on the external demand, based on the global economy. This time, deep economic contraction, no outside help. The global economy is tanking, it's going to contract. Uh, this is a big difference than, than previous crises. And then, you know, we've never had this uh, uh, kind of uh, ongoing tension unresolved for so long. And, uh, uh, you know, we have, uh, uh, a new monarch, um, a new kind of uh, constitution, uh, new groups, new voices, a lot of youth movement uh, presence. So it, it just feels to me like, um, you know, this time we really have to pay attention. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it might, we cannot take the complacency of past crises and just think Thailand will just get by and muddle through. This time it will take some real effort, uh, real reconciliation, real compromises, and some reform, some mutual concessions and accommodation. Otherwise, we'll lead, uh, I think we'll see tension and, and potentially confrontation, which we do not want to see. Thank you very much, Chan Pong Tong, Dr. Chet, Tonawanik, Dr. Pong Tong, Pawakapan. And to all our viewers uh, from ISIS Thailand, our fifth webcast, uh, we will try to do something two weeks from now uh, on the regional economies or something about Thai business. We will see uh, based on speakers. And uh, I want to thank uh, Frederick Nama Stiftung again and also our tech team, our staff. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.